everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems Podcast. This is a show where we like to look at a streaming service and give you some hidden gems that you might not uh, might not expect to find on the particular service. It's a lot of fun. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner, and Ryan is here. Uh, hey, Rachel. It's great to be back with you once again. Is it just me, or is it crazy to think that we're in the month of November? It's like this year has just <laughs> breezed by. It's like 2020 lasted like approximately 10 years, and now I still think it's January. It's like, where where does the time go? You know, it's like they say, the days drag, the weeks fly by. I think that's very true. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. It's It's been a big year for me. And so now that the year's winding down, it's like, I think, not to sound braggadocious, but I think, I think I'm going to look back on this as like a pretty big year for me. Like a year I'm going to look back on and be like, I made a lot of good good decisions that year. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, it, it always amazes me when I look back and I'm like, I I see that we haven't done an episode on a particular streaming service for, you know, three months, four months, sometimes longer. And it's like, how? It just feels like we just did it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's I was crazy. like, wait, how long do we yeah. do this? Like two, three weeks? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to be a very memorable year for me. Uh, all the... Uh, the traveling that I have been able to do, the connections that I've made with people. Uh, it's, it's, a, I'll never forget a year. It's a year I will absolutely never forget. So very not exciting. To men- not to mention all the Broadway shows you've gone to see. That's very true. <laughs> My, after I was vaccinated, I made a goal that I was going to support local theater as much as possible. And I'm getting pretty close to seeing my 40th show of the year. So that'll be pretty fun. Yeah. You know, I was talking to my mom because I, I tell my I tell my parents about this show all the time, and 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 I and she was like, "Are you recording with Rachel this week?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but well, we had to move it because she's going to a show tonight." And she's like, "Again?" And I'm like, yeah. "Well, That's due to COVID, she has to meet her co- her quota for the year, yeah. <laughs> and now she's got to double it." Yeah, like best goal ever. Go see a whole bunch of shows. I think that was a brilliant idea on my part. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> The group Mannheim Steamroller are coming to my local theater, so I'm going to be going to see them. They're later on, I think early December, I got a double check. Oh, cool. And then Fiddler on the Roof is coming. Oh, it's so good. Which, there's no way I'm missing that. So so a lot of interesting things are coming my way, too. Yeah, I I am definitely toning it down now that I have have a a million Christmas movies to watch. (laughs) Uh, But I am going to see, in two weeks, I'm going to see rent for the first time which i'm really looking forward to i've never seen it so five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes <laughs> that's right and not not to mention uh, hallmark's low-key mission to kill rachel <laughs> <laughs> via christmas movies yeah i feel like it's an intentional <laughs> yeah not but, only we got hallmark we've got lifetime we've got you know they're on peacock and netflix and and uh yeah Ooh. tomorrow we finally we finally air our last preview <laughs> which are exhausting it's gonna be like clockwork orange it'd be like looking like this at the end of it yeah tomorrow is the lifetime preview and we finally and and that one's really fun uh, i mean i absolutely love i love homeworkies podcast i think it's great i mm. would listen to it even if i wasn't a part of it uh but uh but yeah, it it is it is exhausting. This week we will have done a, an episode every single day on Homeworkers podcast. 
Wow, that's awesome. And yeah, I low key, I low key kind of miss your uh, your discussions of Heartland with Michelle because (laughs) peek behind the curtain. I I I edit that show and I've never seen an episode, but I I love hearing the out of context machinations of the various characters like. Georgie, poor, poor Georgie. <laughs> Mallory, you should watch it now. You can catch up while we're while we're taking off for this for the Christmas uh, season. I mean, I it's a good show. Well. It really is. I mean, if I if I love Down Abbey this much, I might as well. All right. Well, we have gotten way off topic. What <laughs> which streaming service are we talking about today? We're going into Peacock today, and this yeah, is number Peacock. nine. It's crazy to think about that we've done nine episodes of this. We have done so many, and it's it, it seems like it just started. Again, we're back to that same theme. <laughs> well, I, I remember when it was being launched, it was going to be like one of the main vehicles for the Olympics, and then COVID happened, and they had to be moved up a year. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. was, it was kind of like, here's our new thing, but the centerpiece <laughs> had to be moved or is it being polished for another year. Yeah, so. and the reason why I wanted to talk about Peacock uh, in this episode was because I found out that all of the, there's a new player in the Christmas movie world called GAC, and they have some like questionable investors and questionable like eh, practices and things that make some of us not want to support GAC, but we want to support our friends in, that are, you know, premiering in these movies, making these movies, other things like that, because they're just, they're made for other studios and then purchased by GAC. Uh, and so we found out that you can watch all of the GAC movies on Peacock. Yay! <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're showing up to the, uh, the metaphorical poker game. It's Hallmark, Lifetime, the Up TV. Yes. They're like, gentlemen please deal me in <laughs> yes so yay peacock peacock seriously saved me from getting an ulcer like as soon as i found out that, that they were airing the gac it was just like <sighs> it was such I, I mean i'm not even joking it was a huge weight off of my shoulders it was such a relief because it has been very stressful and i'm just grateful to have another place where i could cover the gac movies and not BGC. So that's why I wanted to talk about them this week. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say if they're if they weren't like on Peacock where you have to use like say <clears throat> questionable methods. <laughs> I don't know what I was gonna do. I it was very stressful, but uh but we can watch it on Peacock. So that's all that matters. And my very first that I want to talk about is is one of those GAC slash Peacock slash movies. And it is called The Great Christmas Switch. And this just aired just this week, this, this last weekend. And so I'll be talking about it in my Christmas movie wrap up. And if you haven't catched that, that'll be my third one this week that I will just aired on, on Thursday. And they're really fun and I'm really enjoyed doing them. Uh, but uh, but the Great Christmas Switch is about it stars Sarah Lind as as identical twins, who one is single and you know hates her job, and the other is uh, almost divorced woman who is she's having marital problems, uh, and she has two kids, super stressed out about the kids. So they decide when her husband is is going away, um, so she's going to be alone for the holidays, um, and. Uh, they decide to switch places 
and they they I love that whole thing like they kind of freaky Friday at all but it's not like supernatural like freaky Friday and they switch places and it was really funny and I and I just think that they're that that's something that a lot of women it I think it it, it honed in on something that a lot of women struggle with where we envy those, the grass is greener, you know, that we, the, the single girls envy the, the ones that are married with kids, the married women envy the single women and think they have it so easy. And, and so getting to have them switch and walk in each other's shoes, I thought was really good. And it was just charming and funny. And I like Sarah Lind a lot. So I enjoyed this one very much. Yeah, from the sound, from the sounds of GAC, it kind of seems like a touchstone situation where Disney wanted to make more near the knuckle movies, but didn't want to put them under their brand, so mm -hmm. they formed Touchstone to get away with it. Seems like Hallmark is like, we need another place, so like <laughs> GAC, come over here. <laughs> well, it was weird because it's founded by the ex CEO of Hallmark, Bill Abbott. And uh, he was kind of left in disgrace. And so that's why it's, there's all kinds of controversy. It's a mess, but you can watch it on Peacock. That's the important thing. And this is a fun movie. Yeah, so. it seems, uh, you know, talking about the uh, the whole, like the, the grass is greener thing you were talking about. You know, I there was a period like after I left high school where like when I was scrolling through Facebook and I would see all my friends, they'd be like either getting married or already having kids. And like, I felt like the only person being like, uh, Captain America Civil War was really good. <laughs> <laughs> like I was that one guy and it was like, right now I like, I'm, I'm still very single. Let's not get that twisted. However, I'm actually more content with it. And maybe that's mm -hmm. just the case of I'm waiting for the right person, but yeah. I'm, I'm not in a rush. And I, and I don't know where I was going with this, but I was. Yeah. That means that they say comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that that's really true. There you so go. what is your first pick? Well, here's the first hard left of the episode going <laughs> from a um, Christmas movie to uh one of the very few actually good golf movies. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Happy Gilmore. Now, before I go any further, I want to say Adam Sandler is a very nice guy, but I understand that a lot of his movies are very hard work. I know that a lot of people don't like them because, well, a lot of reasons that this is not the forum to go into. However, when he makes a movie that's actually pretty funny, I like to say, hey, this one's good, and Happy Gilmore is one of the funny if you've never heard of it, it tells the story of a man named Happy Gilmore, who, despite his name, is actually quite the opposite. He's quite angry all the time. And the only thing he seems to be really good at is hitting things with either a hockey stick or a golf club really hard. And so he is inexplicably good at the game of golf and needs to raise a lot of money quickly to save his grandmother's house. Because, of course, there's a grandmother's house. And, uh, and he gets coached by Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, and he goes up against Shooter McGavin, played by Christopher McDonald, who must have been having the time of his life making this because he makes this entire movie. Just the things that he says. When he, there's a scene in a bar where he goes to Happy and he's like, you stay out of my way or you will pay. Listen to what I say. And just Happy goes, is like, why don't I just go eat some hay? I can make things out of clay and hang by the bay. I just may. What do you say? And it's like, it's such like great 
like play and dynamic off of each other because yeah shooter mcgavin is such like a mustache twirling villain he's so close to being over the top but now that i i've seen this movie several times and i'm a golfer myself i've known quite a few shooter mcgavins in my life now shooter mcgavin is like turned up to 11 but i've known some people like that that's all i will say and yeah this movie's very silly i'm not going to get that twisted and it's very much the adam sandler formula so if you don't like his movies you're not going to like it however i'm kind of meh on him i like to give him a chance and this is one of his good ones that's all i will say yeah he for a long time i felt like he was I had like made a bet somewhere about how <laughs> terrible comedies he could make. And, uh, and he was just out to top himself each time, uh, especially Jack and Jill. I mean, Oh my gosh, oh, kill me now. But, uh, <laughs> but I will agree. I actually, here's a funny tidbit. I was on my school's newspaper when I was in high school and I was, uh, I did, a, uh, I wouldn't say I was the film critic for the school newspaper. That's probably a little overstating it, but one of the movies that I reviewed, because I'm significantly older than um, than Ryan, um, was Happy Gilmore, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, it's kind of funny. I I think it is one of his more watchable films. He is uh, he is unhinged in his <laughs> yeah. anger and things, but he still has enough laughs. And, uh, you know, when you look at what he does later with, like I said, Jack and Jill, or That's My Boy, or Little Nicky, or, I mm. mean, it is bad. Ridiculous Six. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that's hardly even counts as an actual film. Uh, it's so bad. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, can, I can approve. I can. <laughs> yeah. okay. Film criticism was in your bones. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, my second pick is uh from 2008 it's definitely maybe and i think this is a really nice little romantic comedy that i feel like has gotten forgotten it's got ryan reynolds and he's basically his he's there with his daughter abigail breslin and he starts telling the story about how he met her mother and it ends up actually being uh, a kind of a, a quiz about which one is which one of the stories is actually uh, between three different women is her her mother, various people that he dated. And it's just, a, it's a sweet, funny uh, romantic comedy with a good script and good performances. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's unfairly forgotten. Yeah, I remember, I, I can't remember when this came out in 2008, but I remember seeing the trailer for this. It's funny to think that Ryan Reynolds is now like Deadpool and in Red Notice, which I recently watched, and all these like all these other movies where he was seeing him in something like Definitely Maybe just kind of seems weird to me. But he was also in movies like The Proposal, so I guess he's got chops in that area as well. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Deadpool, but I've heard that it actually has a pretty strong romantic yeah him element and, to it as him well. And Lorena Baccarin have a surprisingly like good relationship there are several scenes where it, it's it's very much a deadpool movie so there's a lot of fourth wall breaking it's very vulgar incredibly violent but there's actually a pretty strong undercurrent of genuine chemistry between these two and it and it's like it's 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 filtered through the lens of a deadpool movie but 
considering the fact that it was done so well in a Deadpool movie, it really says something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's actually like a strength of his is actually the romance, the romantic comedies of his uh, in his movies. And he should lean into that even more. Uh, But uh, what is your next pick? So my next choice is from 2006. And it's a movie that I that I enjoyed when I first saw it. But the more I've seen it and the more context I've gotten around it, the better it's gotten. And it's called Mr. Bean's Holiday. Uh, This is this starred Rowan Atkinson as pretty much the thing that he's known for in Mr. Bean. And he wins uh, through a lottery. He wins, um, he wins a holiday in France. And well, literally hijinks ensue. That's all I will say. Uh, Mr. Bean is pretty, pretty famous in the UK. It pretty much turned Rowan Atkinson into a household name. And he would have other roles like Johnny English and have his hands in comedy still to this day. However, he is Mr. Bean. Like there's no getting around that. And I think there's a, I think people didn't really understand this movie because it's very, it's even though it stars American actors like Willem Dafoe's in here, this still feels like an English movie. And so I think that is its one, I think that's its one kind of, I don't want to say problem, but it's like, the one handicap because Mr. Bean is, is like he doesn't speak and at best he has like he has very weird mannerisms and so that may be hard to grasp it, it, it was hard to grasp for me at first but the more I saw him the more I was like okay I can I think I can take it from here but the pantomime and just the physical comedy here is is actually quite good and when it's done badly it's done really badly but here it's done quite well. No one knows how to do Mr. Bean better than Rowan Atkinson. The plot is a little is a little strange. It involves like kidnappings or I guess implied kidnappings and movie premieres and I could go on but this is very much the Mr. Bean show and if you go into it looking for that then I think you'll be impressed and I think the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes was very unfair. I think if this had been say a British movie or released by a British studio, then it would have been handled a bit better. I don't know. It's weird. Looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score for this was bizarre because I always loved this movie and I thought, oh, well, it's it's something that people can connect to and they just didn't. So makes a little, doesn't really make sense to me, but I've seen, I've seen this, but it's been many, 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 many years since I saw it. And I just remember him getting his, head stuck in the turkey that's the only thing i remember that's that's actually in the original like mr bean shorts from itv that was oh really that has nothing to do with the movie that was oh it's not in there no okay i'm getting confused then yeah i i uh i guess i've seen the shorts then or the show those are great those are great though Mm -hmm. all right well my next pick is a long name. It's Sarah Bareilles amidst the chaos live again from the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> Say that five times. Five. <laughs> and this is a live concert that she did uh, where she sings all of her big hits. And I am a huge fan of her. I absolutely love her songs, both her singing and her songwriting. And this you get, you know, all her big hits, King of Everything, Gravity, uh, all of those. Plus you get her waitress songs that she wrote and 
I mean, that it's just a concert, but I absolutely love her singing. So that's all I need. <laughs> yeah. Holly, Hollywood Bowl is prestige. Like, like if you make, like, it's like Carnegie Hall. If you can make it mm-hmm. there, you can make it anywhere. I mean, the biggest have, have been there. John Williams has done several concerts mm-hmm. there. Bugs Bunny sold the place out. Like, it's mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah, I actually saw Sarah Bareilles at a local venue here in Utah. Uh, She was actually the opening act for Sugarland, and I I mean, I was fine with Sugarland, but the reason I was going was because of Sarah Bareilles. Sarah Bareilles, yeah. Yeah, she was incredible, of course. And I I mean, just songs like Gravity is just—you'll never forget that song. It is such a beautiful song. Uh, So she knows how to sing, how to do a breakup song like King of Every, King of Anything, Gravity, (laughs) like. There are a whole bunch of her songs. You know, is uh, there John Mayer had a song had a song called Gravity. I'm not sure if they're if they're just two different songs. I think it's a different song. I think I was I was thinking so. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, I'm a big fan of hers as well. Like I'd like to see her in concert. I'd like to see Michael Buble in concert. I love his voice. Like there was Mm -hmm. a there was a period in high school where I would just. I would listen to his album. Now I can't even remember the name for it, but I would listen to his album and, and like, he kind of sounds like modern day Frank Sinatra. If you were to close your eyes and think to yourself, that's Frank, right? And and like, no, like it's Mm -hmm. not a rip. It's, he's not a rip pop act. I I mean that as a. Yeah. He has his own songs too. So it's a, it's a mixture of the uh, great American songbook plus the the original songs so he's great too i love michael Blay. just got to see him in october so that was incredible but oh, yeah cerebralis amazing so what is your next pick so my next one and this is walking the tightrope of a hidden gem because it it's based off a very successful musical however this adaptation i've always just liked for some reason it's the producers uh, the the producers is of course, a musical that won pretty much all the Tonys. I, I think it held a record at one point for the musical that won the most Tonys. I, I think I might be wrong on that. I'll have to look it up later. But but the but the movie is about a producer named Max Bialystok, played by Nathan Lane, who has who has just made a musical and it was a big flop. And so he knows that he's got to make a big one fast to settle his debts. And his new accountant, Leo Bloom, played by Matthew Broderick, posits the idea of, you know, if you did the numbers right, a flop could make you more money than a hit. And so the mission begins to find the most repugnant musical you could ever ask for. And they find it in the form of Springtime for Hitler, a musical that would never be made today, but that's neither here nor there. This musical is so silly. It comes from Mel Brooks because, of course, Mel Brooks would make something like this. But that's what makes this good. Like this, this movie is so. This is this is so funny. The songs in here are so well done. Never thought I'd like Will Ferrell. Like this is one of my favorite performances of his. He only has like one or two like scenes, but he's great here. Love the chemistry between Nathan Lane and Matt. Matthew Broderick, I think they were in the production as well, the one that won all the Tonys, which great choice there. Uma Thurman is in here too, and she's awesome as well. There's a lot of great songs, a lot of 
a lot of pretty memorable dialogue. I have not seen the original with Zero Mustel and Gene Wilder. I've heard that's good. However, this was just, this is just so much fun. Of course, Mel Brooks, he directed the original and that was his first big breakout hit that he had. And I, I had forgotten that. Yeah, and so that's why he ended up doing this one. And the, the original is more, mean-spirited like and some people will like it for that because it just kind of goes for it whereas the the musical is like a little a little softer it's not quite as mean <laughs> I don't know anyone else to say it um but uh but yeah I actually I mean I my number one would be the musical second would be the musical movie third would be the, the original film uh it's it's uh just not not my favorite comedy but I I recognize why other people really enjoy it and have different sense of humor. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, the addition of the music is, is really, uh, really fun and enjoyable. So it, I, th I can see why you picked it. I think it is a little underrated. Uh, not the original, but um, the, the, I think the musical is a little underrated. So, mm -hmm. all right. Well, my next pick is another Christmas pick. And this is from 2018. It's called Christmas on Holly Lane. And this definitely feels more like a movie, a TV pilot than a movie. So that's like a flaw. But it just goes places that these kind of Christmas movies never go. So it's, I think it's kind of refreshing. And I love the cast. Uh, it's uh, Sarah Lancaster, Karen Holness, and Gina Holden. And they play three friends who, uh, who rally around Sarah Lancaster's character and she's getting ready for her last Christmas in their big in, the, in her big house that she grew up in that she has to sell because her husband has just left her. And this movie goes to like darker places than the than most of these Christmas movies ever go. Like the fact that like not only does she get left by her husband, but he cheats on her and has a baby with another woman, which is like what? <laughs> I mean, when Whoa. I when they did that, I was when I saw that, I was just like, oh. <gasps> I'm so shocked. You just don't see stuff like that in these kind of movies. And but I thought it was really well done and really well written, very well acted. Uh, and uh, and the guy who played her husband, Giles Panton, he's been on our show a couple times, and he's great, so nice. And I remember going to uh, on Twitter after I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, Giles, how could you? <laughs> it was so shocking. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but it it's a really it's a good film and I love Sarah Lancaster she's one of my favorites she's very good. Don't shock your audience too much there, Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there we go. That is uh, my next pick. What do you have next? So my next one, and again, this is very much like, is it? Is it not? It got a lot of attention in the time. However, I think due to the whole music biopic thing still going on, I still go back to this one as my favorite, and maybe it's because the artist at Spotlights is just one of my favorites, or if it's just a well-made movie, I think it's a combination of the two. Uh, my pick is Walk the Line. Uh, this is the movie about Johnny Cash, starred Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. She won an Oscar for it, very deservedly so. She was excellent, and Joaquin was excellent, and this, I saw this at a bit of, a, I, I was kind of too young to see this because it deals with very dark source material involving alcoholism and general just 
very bad behavior on the part of Johnny Cash. However, later on, I would read books and how he he was very regretful and 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 showed remorse and all that. So I was like, okay, that's cool. But the movie is my favorite music biopic by a significant margin. Uh, it, it was directed by James Mangold, who would go on to direct Logan and Ford v. Ferrari, which are both awesome. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix was, I, I swear to God, it, it's like, he's kind of like Daniel Day-Lewis. And like, I'm not convinced he is a full human. It just, he's like, he's kind of like, He's kind of like an automaton who's like, all right, today you're going to be Johnny Cash. And he just becomes Johnny Cash. Like, he's not Joaquin Phoenix. Like, that's his alias. Like, he is, he is Johnny Cash. And I've seen interviews of Johnny Cash both in later life and when he was starting out. Like, he just crushed it. Like, he being Joaquin from mm -hmm. And the music was absolutely excellent. Like, it's just as good as what I remember the originals being, though. Ring of Fire in the movie is somehow more upbeat than the original one we got, which felt a little weird to me, but I liked it all at the same time. And like I said, this is a very dark movie at times. It deals a lot with addiction, drugs and alcohol, and just general mm -hmm. debauchery. However, I think if you can stomach it and know that it's framed in, in the fact that, hey, this happened and he came out of it and it's cool, then I yeah. think you'll make it. I think it's almost more a tribute to the Carter family than it is to anybody else. I absolutely love this movie. It's one of my favorites. And uh, that they rallied around and saved his life and that they you know, kind of basically did an intervention yeah. uh, for him. And I love when he comes, I, I'm, on the Jun, Jun, I'm on the June Carter love walk. I'm going to June Carter. <laughs> yeah, so one good. of my favorite scenes in the movie is when like, John's going through uh, remission and June's father sees like one of the drug dealers oh. coming to like turn around and he's got yes. like a shotgun on him. I'm like, whoa, June's That's dad. That's such a good scene. I agree. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. another one of my favorite scenes is the Folsom prison scene. Yeah. I was a little worried at how they were going to do that because it was so iconic. Because at the time, it, people thought, you're going to sing in prison? Like, like, what are you on? And it's like one of the most famous concerts ever. I was worried how they were going to do it. And they did it about as good a job as you could do it. It's yeah. like he walks on stage and he's like, you know, I, I, you know, I sympathize with you for drinking this yellow water. And he just smashes it on the ground and he goes into cocaine blues. Oh, this movie yeah. so it's good. so good. I love that movie too. I am totally with you on that one. All right, my next pick, my last pick is another Christmas movie because that's just the mode I'm in right now <laughs> is Dear Santa. And this is from 2011 and it stars Amy Acker. And I actually got the chance to interview Amy in, uh, in July, I think June or July. And she's delightful, so fun. And we talked a little bit about this movie. So if you want to listen to that uh, interview, you should check it out. Uh, but in this one, she stars as this kind of, a uh, spoiled rich girl who is forced by her parents to get a job and support herself. And uh, she, she, as she's kind of looking for work, she ends up stumbling upon this letter to Santa written by this little girl. And the little girl talks about how her dad is very unhappy and, and, uh, 
And so she goes and she finds him and they, and of course she doesn't tell them that they have the let, she has the letter, but, uh, she, uh, she's, she helps with the, his, um, uh, food kitchen, his soup kitchen. And, uh, then they of course fall in love and he's, he's dating like the worst person in the world. Who's like, <laughs> he's just like, I'm going to send the little brat to boarding school. <laughs> like, oh, wow. <laughs> But yeah, what, what year is it? Hilarious. I mean, this this movie's not without its cringe. I admit it. But I think that Amy is so cute, and overall, her relationship with the little girl, and I, I think it's almost so over the top with the girlfriend that it's kind of funny. You know, it kind of swings the other way, and so it's just enjoyable, sweet little Christmas movie. <laughs> that also involves someone saying, "You're going to boarding school." Kid. Oh yeah. <laughs> Seems a bit weird, but okay. <laughs> I mean, that's like a classic kind of evil stepmother kind of a thing. Of like, ah, I'm gonna send it. Like it's the same way with um, with uh, Vicky and Parent Trap or <laughs> Meredith Blake. Send those little brats out to boarding school. <laughs> it's like, what year is it, movie? <laughs> or what year do you think it is? <laughs> so anyway, you should watch it. It's good. It's actually directed by Jason Priestley, randomly. So, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, what is your last? So my last choice, and uh, the, and I'm I'm still I'm off a bit of a Halloween high. I watched honestly too many scary movies last October. <laughs> One of them I did a review of for my Scary Mania series is an American Werewolf in London. Uh, this was directed by John Landis, who was just about or at the height of his powers. He had directed Blues Brothers the year prior. I believe he directed Animal House a couple of years prior to even that. So he was, he was on a hot streak. And it tells the story of a couple of hikers who get attacked by a werewolf. One of them dies while the other gets, is, is about to be mauled, however, is just bitten. And basically, he's on a bit of a time limit as when the next full moon comes, he's going to turn into a werewolf with a rather pronounced lust for blood and this is a very dark movie i remember seeing this for the seeing this a while back but i i rewatched it just for the review and i forgot how dark this movie is it, it is it's not an easy watch at times because you know people think of werewolves you know like they think of a think of one idea or another like that like if you become a werewolf in the world of this movie it's like a fate worse than death because you know, because you do all these things, you don't know when you're going to turn to a werewolf and full moon, but once you do, you just don't remember any of it. You wake up in a strange place and be like, what? How did I even get here? Uh, the main actor, I can't think of his name, but he does, he ha gives a really good performance. And I believe I said in my review, it's sad because he never really went on to do much after this. And he did a really good job, and I, I would have figured that he would have gotten a lot more work after, but that wasn't the case. He got, like, smaller bit roles. I believe he was in a Hallmark movie. Mm. I can't remember which one off the top of my head, but the draw of this movie is the effects, and the effects for this were done by Rick Baker. He won an Oscar for it, the inaugural Best Makeup and Effects Oscar. That was very well-earned because... When you see the final werewolf, you're just like, wow, that is, that's crazy. And even then you see like 
you see like dead bodies and they're just almost a little too real. It's, it's very near the knuckle for a type of movie like this. It, I mean, it's pretty much at the knuckle. So be prepared. But I recommend and recommend any horror fans, if you have not seen this somehow, then check it out because it's great. Very cool. I've never seen it, so I appreciate the recommendation. It's so, not it's not like absolutely horrifying. It is a bit of a it's classified as a horror comedy, but there's definitely some ones you're like, ooh, oh, okay. Uh, it keeps you on your toes. <laughs> Very cool. Well, we did it. We gave our recommendations. So let us know if you have seen any of these films and what you're watching on Peacock. We would love to hear your thoughts in, in the comment section or on Twitter. And Ryan, how can people find you? Oh, uh, well, by the time this comes out, I will be wrapping up my paid vacation from my job. So I'm just going to be spending it cleaning out my office. But when I'm not doing that, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, RyanCam20. And there's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called RyanCam. Uh, I just uploaded my review for Eternals, which is becoming a very polarizing movie, to say the least. And then... Um, and then I did my re most recent movie, Nerds Club, for video for top five movies released on Thanksgiving weekend, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, I'm going to have my Denis Villeneuve ranking come out for Dune, the Craig Bond movies. I'm going to review those for No Time to Die. November is basically a catch-up month for me because Scary Mania just took up my entire channel. And then I'm going to be covering the last of the Studio Ghibli movies before I would have seen and reviewed them all. So if you haven't checked me out, please do. Great. Yeah, y'all should definitely check it out. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So take a look at that. Going to be having my review of Encanto coming up soon, so make sure to take a look. And then also we have the uh, Hallmarkies podcast. Make sure you're following over there. It's really fun. And we've got the Patreon group and merch store. Please take a look at all that in the description. We'd sure appreciate it. So thanks so much. And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. Bye.